Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. We're so glad that you're here today. Welcome and happy Mother's Day to all the moms. You're in the best place that I think you can be, and that's church. And so, yeah. Amen, amen. Yes, we just want to say how much we love each and every one of you moms. Um, why don't we give a hand clap to those moms out there who've given so much of their time and their effort. Yes, let's, let's honor them in this moment. Yeah, just so... Um, just so that we, man, we just are, I'm so happy today because um, I get to uh, teach today with my best friend, and, um, and she has been uh, my best friend since we were 15, and so um, I, I don't know if you know this, she didn't know I was going to do this, but um, I was, I was, when I was 12 years old, I gave my life to Jesus, and I, I had a moment where I felt like God was, uh, spoke to me, and he said, hey, Aaron, you're going to lead a great flock one day. There's going to be a great church in your heart, and, and uh, I'm, I'm going to give that to you. And then the, the second uh, promise he gave me says, you're going to get to teach one day with your wife. And so um, you don't know this. We just Some of you don't know this. We planted seven months ago, and this is the first time uh, that we've had a church where I get to speak on, with my best friend and my wife. And so will you help me and honor my wife that she's up here? And uh, so happy you're here, babe. And uh, she helps uh, uh, wrangle five of my children, and uh, and so boys, she just five boys, five boys. and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. So um, here's the thing: I prayed for peace or patience. I'm sorry, I prayed for patience. Then Jesus gave me this man. Yeah, you're welcome. And then five more like him. So be careful what you pray for. Just, that's the that's the story. I don't. Okay. Uh, you make me better, babe. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, man, so happy that everybody's here. This is going to be an interesting weekend. Okay. Uh, so, hey, uh, a couple of things. Number one, just again, want to welcome and honor all the moms. You guys would get a great gift as you walk out today. And uh, just to love you. Of course, it's not anything we can give you that will be at your value, but it's a gesture from our staff and our family. And just to say we love and honor you. Also, we want to take a moment and honor those um, uh, ladies in here who maybe have lost a child or maybe you are struggling to conceive a child, um, we know that these days can be kind of tough for you. And um, we, we just want to know, we want you to know that, look, we're, we consider ourselves the, you know, the, the, the mom and dad of the church. And we want you to know that we love you, we honor you, and that, you know, if you are one of those two types of ladies, you take a, you take a flower today. And uh, because God sees your pain and uh, God knows what you're struggling with and God can see that even when somebody might not see that in this world. And um, you need to know this, that uh, I have a family member that struggles to have a child and I know that these days are hard for her. And I know that like this is a tough situation, tough season for the family. And I want you to know that like the Bible says that... uh, uh, a, cheer, a cheerful heart is like medicine. And so I want you to know that you can have joy on days like today, even though maybe you don't have your expectations fulfilled. And you need to know this, that my hope and our hope as, as just family here, that you would find family in this place and that you can find some joy and some hope in Jesus. And uh, that ultimately one day, all your answers will be, all your questions will be answered ultimately. And so we love you. We honor you today. And uh, we hope you have a great day as well. So we are in the middle of a series called You Asked For It. And uh, we are um, answering questions that have come in. And we thought today would be fun to answer a bunch of family questions and uh, just kind of talk about marriage, life, family. We have a few other ones as well. Um, but I want to give the ground rules for the series just real quick so that everybody's clear. The first one is this. So if you're a guest with us for the very first time, we're honored that you're here. By the way, if you have Facebook or you have social media or something like that, will you check in right now? It's okay. 
okay, you can pull your phone out in church and just check in and say, hey, you're at church right now because that's what, it's good. I promise you they're great conversation starters. We've had many people come because they checked in and they're like, you go to that church called Rise? We saw banners and we wanted to go and we can't, we'll go together. And it's been a great opportunity to reach people for Jesus. So go ahead and check in. Uh, but also if you're a guest with us, we encourage you to come back at least three times. We highly encourage you. Uh, it takes a few times to check out and find out a church today's a little unique. So you might want to know how I normally preach. It's crazier because my wife's not normally up here. So she's going to keep me in check today, but come back at least three times, check it out, make sure uh, you can get a better, good feel for the church. Uh, where um, This series is unique, so I'm going to give some ground rules for the series. I do this every week just so that we're clear. Where the Bible is clear, uh, we will be clear. I'm a Bible teacher. My wife, we're Bible believers. Our first value at our church of our five is Bible. We believe in the authority of Scripture, and so where it's clear, we're going to be clear. Where it's not clear, we're going to give you our opinion, and so that, here's what's cool about an opinion. Everybody's got them, and you don't have to have ours. And so you don't need to necessarily agree with us on everything in this church to come to this church. Isn't that good? Like that should be a relief and a freedom because sometimes you walk into places and you have to be like hook, line, and sinker. You got to toe the party line to be a part of the church. No, 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 no. You can have a different take or a different bent on that. There's a reason some things in scripture are debated by scholars who are smarter than me and smarter than you for thousands of years, right? Because it's debatable. And so, um, and that's okay. So I, I always talk about, uh, we can have in essentials, we have unity and the non-essentials we have liberty, but in the, in all things we have charity, which means all things we're going to be loving. And so, uh, I want our church to be known by its love for others. And so, um, the last thing I'll say is we've got some questions in that are answered in a private setting are actually better answered in a private setting. They're asked in a private setting. They're better answered in a private setting. And so it's not because we're afraid of the question or we're not trying to proclaim crude truth or anything like that, but some, you got to trust me. I've been doing this for almost two decades. There are, there are some questions that are better answered privately. So if we don't answer your question, come find one of the pastors. Uh, you can email us at the church. We love to sit down for coffee with you. We do that all the time. And so just, just, just know some things are better private, okay? Is that all right? Okay, all right, awesome. And so uh, the goal is today in this series is to deepen our understanding, not our division. So do not walk out of here going, we don't, and then fill in the blank, okay? All right. And so, uh, so glad everybody's here. We're going to pray and we'll get started. Father, we just love you, God. Thank you that you're here, that Holy Spirit, you're here today, and that, that your name is, uh, Jesus' name is being lifted up, and we pray that today you would speak to us in only the way you can. We honor you today, God, and uh, thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 All right. Well, the first question, will we be married in heaven? No. What, babe? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, babe. So, uh, y'all are about to see our marriage just in, just need just why you need to pray for me. And so, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, we will not be. So the Bible's kind of clear on this. And so, I, again, I'm, where the Bible's clear, I'm going to be clear. I'm going to read you a scripture, Matthew chapter 22. And it says, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And so that's pretty clear. And so uh, I think for, for, you know, depending on how your marriage is going, some of you thank God for that and s some of you don't. And so, um, you know, I know for, for Erica and I, you know, um, man, there are ups and downs in every marriage. And my hope is that, you know, I get to at least be your friend in marriage. You, know, you are. You're my best friend. Yeah. So maybe we could be neighbors. We'll ask God to be Hey, neighbor. listen, here's the truth of the matter, okay? In the Bible, obviously, it states that we're not going to be married. And marriage has many, many rewards. Marriage is amazing in many ways. But it's still one of the hardest things that we do on this earth. So 
though it is one of the hardest things and you are my best friend and I know that there's many different marriages out there in heaven I am absolutely happy and excited and I will ask Jesus for you to be my neighbor come on thank you (laughs) all right Uh, number two how do you handle tithing when your spouse is a non-believer Can, can we answer this another time? <laughs> no. Um, that's a good question. You know, that, um, I, I will say this. Let me, let me just, you know, let me validate a, a few things. You're in a tough situation. I mean, that's a tough thing whenever you're, you're trying to figure out a biblical um, characteristic or a biblical, uh, you know, following with someone who is not a biblical follower. And so um, that's, a, that's, a, that's just a tough situation. So I'm going to answer a couple of questions inside this. The first is, what is tithing? Because you kind of handle, you ask a question where I think some of us kind of assume uh, and some of us don't know what that is. So let me just kind of give you an idea of what tithing is. Tithing, uh, as described inside scripture, is the first 10% of whatever you bring in. So I'll kind of read you a couple of scriptures. Leviticus chapter 27 says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, um, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And another part in Deuteronomy chapter 14, this is Old Testament now, kind of the beginning of the scriptures or what we call the Torah, um, is be sure to set aside a tenth. Everybody say a tenth. Tenth of all that your fields produce each year. So in the Old Testament's established, right? New Testament, then you kind of go, well, we're not Old Testament pastor. Like we're not under the law and like we're not, we're free. We're not, well, that's Old Covenant. We're not New Covenant. Okay, well, that's true. But however, uh, Jesus affirms tithing and affirms giving in Matthew chapter 23. And he says this, for you are careful to tithe. Everybody say tithe. Even the tiniest income uh, from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe. And so he says, Jesus, you should, you should tithe. Yes, but but do not neglect, neglect the more important things. So again, it's established in the Old Testament. It's affirmed or reaffirmed in the New Testament. And so we as Bible-believing, a lot of us as Bible-believing Christians feel like, hey, you know what? We are, uh, we, we, we respond to God and we return, by the way. You don't give a tithe. You return a tithe. It's returning back to God what is God's. And so we believe that he can bless 90% more than we could even do with 100%. That's just what we believe. Now, I will say this. Tithing and giving is not a salvation issue. This is not whether or not you're going to make it into heaven. This is a blessing issue. And so what I know is, is that whether I make it into heaven one day is one situation dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ and a sacrificial lamb. He is the one that's going to settle. He settles that issue. But whether I have heaven on earth with my finances, man, that's another issue. And I can actually play a part in that by being generous with what God has given me. And so I want to make sure that like me as a person, and let me just say this, look, I'm the pastor at this church. You can come here and never give a dime. Isn't that interesting? Like, oh, really, Pastor? Yeah, you could. Because it's not going to affect me. It won't affect us. The church doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. Isn't that awesome to know that a God in heaven doesn't actually need you? He wants you. And that's better. And so oftentimes what God's looking for us from as believers, again, when I'm a, I'm a Bible teacher, okay, so come on, y'all, like, wow, he teaches Bible. No, I do. I'm teaching Bible here. And so I, God wants you to give, not because he wants your money, because he wants you to be blessed. And so he wants your blessing, and our blessing tends to come, when it comes to Christian giving and Christian living, it comes out of sacrificial living life. And so, um, so, for, so I just wanted to answer that tithing question. But I think the real question is, is inside of what you're asking is, how do you handle being married to an unbeliever? Yeah, I think, a, how do you do that? That's a really good question. You know, and in, in, in the years that I've walked with many, many women, um, I've actually 
been able to walk through and been invited in on this question in their life, you know, because it's difficult. It's hard um, when you're living and you don't have that, um, the spouse that's leading that way or that believes that way. So I can definitely understand that. Um, let's look at what the Bible says in 1 Peter 3. It says, likewise, wives be sus- be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, but by the conduct of their wives when they see your respect respectful. And that's so good, respectful conduct. I want us to focus on the word conduct here, because what does that mean? If I can break that down for you, there's two ways that we can break that down. The first way is in words. Um, I think one of the things that a lot of women and wives don't realize is how much influence they actually have um, inside of relationships and marriage um, in their home. And um, you have to ask yourself, what kind of conduct am I carrying right now? Sometimes in my own life, as I've grown and am growing, I've come across moments with other women and with myself where oftentimes I'll feel like, well, it's not fair. You know, have you ever said these things? It's not fair. It's not right. Um, those are some key things I've realized is that you're looking to be justice driven and you're looking to have, you know, things that are fair and right when in reality, God is your defender and he's the one who actually not only shapes you, but he's the one who also shapes your husband. So the best way that you have that influence in their life when they don't believe in God is actually with your words and how you speak to them. And um, men are wired uh, to hear through the language of respect and honor first, whereas women are wired through love and emotion. And so we need to learn how to speak their language so that that opportunity can open for God to come in and show himself to our spouse. That's the strongest way that I've learned, seen, and done in my life. Um, you, you seek to understand. So some ways we do that in our words is we seek to understand. You remain humble in your heart. So even when things are not going the way you think they should or when you feel like it's not fair, we surrender those moments to God because he's the one in control. He's the one who actually can get through to our spouse better than we can. Um, We speak life to our husbands, right? That's one of the greatest ways, you know, saying things like, I'm so thankful that you have provided for us. They want to provide. They want to protect. So when they hear from the one that they're supposed to be doing that for, that you feel that, it boosts them. It makes them feel um, like you're with them. Superman. Yeah, they feel empowered. They feel like they want to go do it again, right? So you want to speak to them. You speak to the man that they're becoming, not that the man they are. Yeah, you do that with me. Yeah, and, you know, there are times where I, <laughs> and I think times women will be like, well, I'm just puffing up his head. No, like you're speaking life into your husband. You're speaking life into up. They need that. They do. They really do need that. They, yeah. they need to know that they're not alone in this, right? Just because they're Superman or they're the well, sometimes, leader. Sometimes like I'll mouth off, you know. <laughs> he does. Sometimes he gets a little spicy, right? And I have a choice in that moment, okay? I have a choice. What is my conduct going to be? Am I going to, as he says, talk out my neck, get all kinds of tude with him? Or am I going to humble myself under the fact that I know that he's not being the man he could be and speak to that man? Love him and respect him where he's at so that he can reach to be that man. She does this sometimes. So like if I'll say something like mouthy, you know, or get fresh mouth with her, it should be like, I'll say something and she'll go, man of God, that. Yeah. Come on, man of God. And I'm like, that's not who you are. I don't want to be now, a man of God. <laughs> I want to be a man right now. Every just si- be a man. Just a man. It's true. Every situation can be different, you know, because when the man is not walking necessarily with Jesus, they might not understand that. But when you speak to them as like, you are an amazing man. 
you are, I'm, again, I'm so thankful that you provide. Because then they see that you see their hard work, you see their sacrifices, and that makes them feel like encouraged and loved. Um, the other thing you wanna do is our actions. So it's words and then actions. Actions are things like asking them those questions. What can I do to help you feel respected today or this week? Listen to them and then do it. If it's something as simple as just make sure the bills are paid on time. It might seem so small and so like it's not that big of a deal, but he's clearly telling you that's something that's important to him. So to show him that you want to respect that, you do what he asks, you know, and it's not in the, okay, well, I did it, right? Like have that heart of like, I love you this much. I believe in you this much. I want to honor you and respect you this much. I'm telling you, you will get more from him out of that than you will if you try to nag him. Being with somebody who's nagging you is so draining, not only on the person that you're doing it to, but yourself. I mean, that doesn't fix anything. We might think it will. We might feel better in the moment, but it really doesn't do anything. And it's not the way that God wants us to be with each other. So ask yourself those those questions. Who am I to be in this moment? You can't change him. You can only change you. And so just say, who am I in this moment? Am I being respectful? Where's my conduct? Can I adjust? And then let God, and then surrender them into God's hands and let him do the rest. Yeah. That's good, babe. Man, what else is there to say? All right. Um, next question. Is yoga okay for a Christian? That's a good Namaste. question. Um, what does the Bible, you know, I'll say this, what does the Bible have to say about you? Not a whole lot, simply because, you know, yoga didn't exist when the Torah was written. And so, uh, you know, so I think like part of, part of, part of what's here, here's, here's the issue. Okay. So sometimes what we have to do is you have to look at what, what is possible and then try to find principles inside scripture to help us gauge whether or not it's okay. And again, I've told you this before. If it's a sin, that's, that's one level of whether or not you should do it, but that should not be the only gauge. And so I think uh, when it comes to yoga, I will say this, it doesn't speak about yoga specifically, but it does have something else to say. And I'll say this like, and I just kind of take this bent. This is my opinion on it. Um, I think because the Ten Commandments start off with, you shall have no other gods before me and don't make an idol, I think sometimes we can look at a man-made idea, thought, thing, and look to it to sustain and give us what only God should have given us. And so, although, you know, what's, what's interesting, and, you know, as Exodus talks about that, if you, if you seek something other than God for a clear mind, a centered life, a peaceful existence, you're going to come up wanting. And in a lot of ways, that becomes idol worship. And so you need to be careful on the things you participate in to give you what only God can give you. Right. Come on. Yeah. Which is a clear mind. And so um, I, I will say, like, just there's a few things I would say. Number one, stretching in a clear mind didn't start with yoga. Like that's not what it, like that's not they didn't invent that. OK, so they don't get it. All right. So like to me, I always talk about like like, well, they don't get that. Like uh, I'll give an example like um, and this is might be a, a, an interesting example of it. But like, you know, music wasn't the world didn't create music. They don't get that. Does that make sense? So like like God created music like there's there's art forms that was cre- they don't get to have control over like the distribution of what that looks like. So a clear mind and stretching and being healthy and having a physical fitness. Yoga didn't invent that. Other types of ideas to do that didn't get. So they don't get it. So what I will say is, is we can redeem it. And so there's three things you can do in title of the world. Like I always say, and this is how I teach it. 
You can receive, reject, or redeem. Yoga to me is something that I'm trying to redeem right now. So like I'm a redeeming the ab stretches, as you can tell. And so like, um, so I'm trying to redeem it. And, uh, and, and, and I know, here's, here's the other thing. I know very godly Christian people who practice yoga. And it's not the weird yoga that's Eastern driven and where you have to have like a, where you meditate and you get rid of your thoughts. You know what Christian meditation is? Put God's thoughts in your face. That's what you want to do. So like, I want to yeah, put God really in good. my life. Yeah, and good. so I, I know Christian people who practice yoga and don't, aren't weird. Because that's like, you're not trying to like go, you know, and sit in a circle and try to find your chi or whatever. Yeah, a lot of, a lot, a lot that, of some, word, sure, uh, wisdom guidelines that we can follow really inside of that is understanding that we need to be mindful of our environment. So like you said, we have many friends who do yoga. And I think for me, when I think about it, I've tried it a couple of times, but like, it's a matter of what you are allowing to pour yourself into, Right. And so when he's talking about the weirdo spiritual kind of stuff, that's what we want to be careful of. And your spirit can feel it. You can feel it. So if it is something like that, just remove yourself from go do something to another place or, you know, find a different avenue to do those things. Because, again, God wants us to be healthy. It's not that he doesn't want you to be. He does. But it's a matter of, okay, in this moment, what am I allowing? What am I pouring myself to? What am I allowing into my life? Because some of those people are more about the spiritual walk in their mind in a, in a different way that could you know, clash with you and it's not healthy. So that's where you decipher. That's where you use wisdom. Be careful of your environment and be careful of goofy people that might be a little bit into something else that's not yoked equally to you and where your spiritual walk is. Yeah, like, like the people that walk around with like no shoes and stuff, eat <laughs> granola all the time. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Okay. All right. So anyway, all right. Um, I will say this, uh, being healthy is God's idea, not yeah. yoga's. Okay, anyway, all right. And I, I, I know that there are, like, some people who take a really hard stance on that kind of stuff. I know the history of yoga. I know all that. I, I know all that. I'm just talking about, like, there's, there's no reason you can't stretch and be godly. Right. That's good. Okay, all right. <laughs> Next question. Um, my kid doesn't want to go to church. Should I make them? Oh, yeah. Okay, how many of y'all think, yes, make them? Raise your hand. Come on. All right, make them. You, you know, my house, you're going to give them my rules, and we're going to church. And y'all like to quote that scripture like, as for me and my house. <laughs> you're like, where is that in the Bible? I don't know, but I, somewhere in the Bible it says <laughs> we will serve the Lord. How many of y'all say, don't make them? It's, that's, be careful. Don't make them. Raise your hand. Anybody? Nobody's worthy to? Where's Pastor Jason? He's always a defector. All right, we got one. <laughs> Um, I will say this. So let me, let me tell you, here's, here's, uh, here's what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 22, and this is a good one for you parents. So if you're a parent in here, you need to have this like tattooed on your heart, you know, and uh, I said tattoo. We answered that question. Week one, go back. Spoiler alert. All right. Train up a child in uh, the way he should go. Everybody say train. train. Even when he is old, he will not depart from. So the Bible speaks to us as parents that we're supposed to train. You're not supposed to just have a kid and then hopefully they figure it out. That's some of parents in the world's strategy for raising kids. No, you're supposed to train them. And then in Hebrews, it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now in the day and the returning, uh, the Lord is drawing near. So what the Bible says, you can put a couple of few scriptures together. Principally, the Bible is teaching us that it's our job as parents to bring value of the church to the kids. So you and I should not neglect it because you need to value it. The important, the important part of coming to church and being a part of a local body and being a part of a spiritual family, that's important. Right. 
that they did that in the New Testament. They met in houses and they met in the, in the temple square. Come on, like there was a public and a private form of meeting. And so for us, we need to like, the Bible is saying you and I as parents need to train our kids to value both and to value the local church. So um, my thoughts on on this, um, you know, is really the question I think you're asking is why doesn't my child value the church the way I do? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it opens up a lot of avenues for us to really look inside of ourselves because here's, here's the actual bottom line is kids will do what you do, not what you say. And so what happens is then if we can take, if we see that our kid is not wanting to go to church or they don't value church, take a look at yourself and say, how am I reflecting how I value church? What is it that I'm saying? How is it that I speak about church? Do you go to church on a regular basis? Do you talk about church in a positive manner? Do you have the I get to lingo, not I got to? Because those things pour into our children, and then that's how those seeds start to grow of why they value things or how they value things. Another big one, too, especially for a lot of parents, is sports. A lot of sports happen on Sunday, and sports aren't bad. We love sports. Those are important for growing our children and having them learn how to work together and learn how to win and learn how to lose. We we value those things. But if you're placing more value... If you place more value on them being in sports rather than church, they're going to start valuing that more than church. Yeah, without even thinking. Without even realizing it. And again, it's not like we're saying you have to come to church every single Sunday. We get it. There's things that happen. There's things that go on. But it's a matter of looking at yourself and saying, how do I position myself to my children as a reflection of how I value church? That's what will pour into them, stretch them, grow them, and teach them. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I think I think you just we got to be careful that you're modeling, you're training, you're leading, and if you don't value the church, your kids won't value the church. Period. So if if that somehow has happened as an exception, that's an exception. But typically, I don't see that happening. And 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 in fact, um, your, your your balanced life and how you view and see the church, how you speak on the church. How do you speak about the church? What's the words that you use? I love what you said there, babe, the get to language, not the got to. Do you wake up on Sunday morning and you, you have not created margin for them? And so Sunday morning is the worst week, day of the week for your kids. And so you wake up late, you're screaming at them. Come on, we got to get to church. The pastor's going to be mad. God's going to judge us. <laughs> right? In whatever way that you say it, in whatever way you do that. And so your kids are stressed out as they're walking into church feeling like this place is terrible. Because the church makes mom and dad crazy. And without knowing it, what you've done is you not not value the church. You've devalued the church. And you've made the church a bad guy to your kids just by your language. Yeah. I know some people who use church and God as, like a, a, as a discipline tool. Mm. And they're like, if you don't be good, God's going to judge you. Mm-hmm. Like, will you stop saying that to your kids? You're making God to be like a big dude with a lightning bolt ready to strike. Yeah. It's like, he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. If you don't go to church, he's going to get you. <laughs> pastor, I'm going to call pastor. You want me to call? Please don't use my name in a negative light. <laughs> I've met kids. I walk up and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> and they panic because like the first time I meet them is the first time I meet them. I'm like, hey man, how's it going little Timmy? And they're like, are you going to punch me? Because I was late to church today. <laughs> Like, stop threatening your kid with church. 
right? And we do that because, look, I get it. Sometimes you get to the end of your rope. You know, we have five boys, and you're just trying to use anything and everything. Because at some point, it's just like, if you don't get in the car, I don't know what I'll do. Probably won't be Christian. We might not go to church. I might drive you to some place, and it won't be good. Um, so I get it, but like positive and threatening words, and so I think it's, it's important we just be careful. Um, I'll say this, like, you, you know, Erica and I have really, really come to our pastors, our mentors, especially in marriage and kids have really helped us lead by vision and not by accident in our kids' lives. And so we want our kids to have value because our vision for our kids' lives is, um, you know, we kind of have a vision statement for our kids that we want. Here's our vision statement. We want to raise sons that love God, love their family, and love his church. So that's our vision statement for our children right now in their in their current state and their age. And so for them to love God, love uh, their family, and love their church, there's some things we have to say yes to, and there's some things we have to say no to. So I know for us, in this season of our life, we just planted a church. Yeah. Life is crazy. We've got a little two, two-year-old who's, you know, like his mom. And so like, sweet, wonderful. Uh, and so, um, but because of that, like we, we say no to sports right now. And yeah, so we have a value where we lead them through that, you know, cause sometimes kids don't always understand necessarily what it is <clears throat> that they're doing or why they're doing it. And so I think what helps our children, even at a young age is having conversation, talk to them. They want to know they, they're people too. Right. And they're growing just as much as anybody else. And your seasons will change. Bring them along. Bring them with you in that value and that change. So we set up that time and season where right now, because we have so much going on and because we are building them up in that value, we put sports on hold. Now, that's not every, not for everybody. Everybody's value and season is different. So find yours. Find yours for your home and then lead your children through that and be open and honest with them. Yeah, it's okay to tell your kids no. Yeah, it's very healthy. It's okay to tell your kids no. Like they need to, just so you know, they need to hear no. Yeah. With a they, smile. Yeah, yeah. I like to, I'm no. like Dr. No to the kids. <laughs> hey, Dad. They already know. Like I have to convince Dad out of his no. Because there's so many things that are going to steal your kids' attention. And not everything should be said yes to. And for us, you know, in our season of our life right now, like I want a sane wife. And I want a sane life. And I want my kids to actually be patient and kind and love. There's some things I want them to learn before. And don't be like, well, kids, that's what sports teaches them, the value of, you know, they're the high character, you know. And I'm like, I get that. But I'm sorry. Have you seen the professional athletes of our day? They're not exactly the models of character that we want to. Yeah. Checkmate. The other part I want to say in here, too, is surprise. Um, When we say no to our children, please, again, have conversation with them. It's not no, because I said so. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't help them. That's what I do. But Erica does not do that. It doesn't, you don't always do that. It doesn't help them grow and understand. They have questions they want. And those are your moments. Those are your moments of influence. I'll say it this way. You have a chance and an opportunity. This works in marriage too, to make a point or make a difference. So what are you choosing in your moment? Just because I, because I can, because I'm mom, you're going to do what I say. Just because, sit there and be quiet. What are you teaching them? How will they go? Because you know what? If you're not going to answer, they're going to find somebody else who will. Yeah, that's good. Then what? That's good, yeah. Then what? Uh, so, sorry, just sound a little, you know, like. I don't know. He does this every Then what? All right, so uh, 
Uh, my final thought on that, be a parent now so you can be their friend later. That's good. Boom. All right. Uh, so next question. Whose fault is it anyway? Adam or Eve for disobeying God? God told Adam, but Eve committed the crime. All right. We, we all know this answer. Yeah, ready? It's Adam. Eve. Eve. It's Adam. Eve. Eve. <laughs> Eve. Next question. All right. Uh, I got this one. How do you honor your father and mother, like the Bible says, when your parents have been abusive your whole life? Yeah, um... This is the number, can I just, can I share something with you guys just as a pastor? Uh, It's heartbreaking because this is the number two most asked question in our series. Um, Next week, I'm going to answer the number one most asked question. Um, So you got to be here to hear it. But uh, that's heartbreaking because, you know, it's Mother's Day today and we're celebrating, you know, one half of the parent world and um, the moms. And if a parent has abused you, there probably is no more uh, hurtful, emotional, spiritual, I mean, that comes with some heavy weight. And um, I just wanted to say, uh, it's hard to answer this question in general without knowing the specifics. Um, But I've heard this, again, I was a youth pastor and a college pastor for like 10 years. I had to deal with multiple issues with you know, kids who were abused, and in the moment, uh, I had to talk with parents after, you know, I, I've been a pastor, an executive pastor at high level, so I've been doing parent, you know, I've been talking to adults about getting over some of those and moving past some of the abuses in their past yeah. from their uh, parents, and so um, uh, it, it's a tough, it's a tough issue. It is, it really is, and we really, in this moment, we just really want you to hear our hearts and hear us tell you how much, one, that we as your spiritual family, we hear, love you, and that no abuse whatsoever of any kind is warranted or your fault. It's not of God. It's evil. And I know as much as it breaks our heart, I know that it breaks God's heart. It really does. Yeah, it's an affront to who God is. God's not abusive. As a heavenly father, he's not abusive. He's not hateful. He's not hurtful. God is a loving God. And we sang about it today. God, you are good. Everybody say that with me. Say good. And so what's hard is that sometimes you come from an abusive parental situation. If your dad was abusive, your mom was abusive, uh, if your parent was abusive, when we speak of spiritual family and language, that doesn't bring positiveness to you. It actually brings negative. And so I wanted to, I wanted to walk through this with you. Um, the, the question references scripture because it says, honor your father and mother. And there's multiple areas inside of scripture. I want to reference a New Testament scripture in Ephesians uh, chapter six. And it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise so that you may go well with you and you may enjoy a long life on the earth. And so, you know, I've quoted that to my, my kids before. I'm sure you've heard that, that it's the first commandment with promise that yeah. you, you and I have a promise from God that if we honor our parents, that we will actually have a benefit from it, that there's a promise attached to it. And that's a hard thing to do when you, co- how do you reconcile honor with your parents to, to the, them that actually hurt you. Right. And so um, we have a few thoughts on that, I think. Um, you know, I, and I think we want to be just, I think, sensitive to it. The first is, um, uh, I want to be clear about this. The first way you honor them is you pray for them. Um, you as a Christian have a responsibility. Honor has everything to do with who you are right. and not who they are. Uh, you are a follower of Christ. So therefore, you can reflect the perfect heavenly father that you do have. 
And in praying for them, um, that could be a step you take now, or that's a step that you pray one day you could take in the future. But I think a good goal for all of us who have had to walk through abuse in their life Mm -hmm. is pray for that person. And here's how you pray for them. The first thing you pray for is their journey. You need to realize that you... That, that they themselves are people and are on a journey, that they've, they've had to walk through some things, and they're hopefully walking to, to start, start praying that they start making changes positively towards acting more godly and acting in a way that reflects God, yeah. our Heavenly Father, and not them and their own abuses. That's the second thing I'd pray for is that you need to pray for their hurts. Oftentimes, I see as a pastor, the people who have hurt people are the people who are hurt themselves. You might not know this, but their dad abused them, their mom abused them, their mom's mom abused them, their dad's dad abused them. And it, there's a chain, right, that they're, they're walking through. They're reflecting. I tell people often this, that you can only give people what you got to give them. And what they got as a parent was hurt. So what they know how to do is give. You know what they know how to give? Hurt. And so pray that their hurts would be healed, that God would do something to restore and redeem what the enemy meant for harm in their life. Pray that their hurts would be healed. And then the last thing is is ultimately pray that they would know God. Pray that they would have a reconciliation with their heavenly father themselves. They would themselves become Christ-like so that they can model Christ from here on out. Pray that they would come to God because the best thing that could happen for them and for you is that they become a fully devoted follower of Christ. That would be the first thing I would say is pray for them. Absolutely. That's so good. And the second thing you can do is actually pray for yourself. You're on a journey where something that is horrific has been done to you or has hurt you, whether it's mental abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, whatever it is. And God wants to restore you. And so we walk in a way where we surrender ourselves through prayer with family, with people, spiritual people who are walking with us. So you don't walk it alone. Um, You pray two things, okay? You pray in healing um, for those avenues that you've been hurt in because God can restore you. And then you pray for forgiveness to, to be able to forgive. Forgiveness is for you, not for them. It's so that you don't walk around carrying anger and bitterness towards them. Those seeds get planted and then it just starts to grow and become dark and ugly inside of you and it affects other relationships around you. And if you're not careful, you end up bleeding on other people who haven't hurt you. And so we want to remember and open our eyes to Jesus, lift our eyes to God, and remember that he is a good father, and that whatever happened to us was not in his plan, and he can restore you, and that in those moments, you might be the only Jesus they see. And that can reach them a lot better than shutting them out or, you know, cutting them off. Yeah, and I think the purpose of those first two things is really to get to, I think, the third thing, and the third way you honor them is you break the sin cycle yourself. And so with your kids, you stop the chain of iniquity. I'm going to teach you a word today. It's called iniquity, and it's generational sin, and it's real. And so some things in iniquity in my life you won't have to deal with, but some things you have in your life I'll never have to deal with. So I'll give you an instance. So my family's generational sin, their iniquity is alcoholism. And so I got to be careful because, like, there are strong, historical, sinful ties to alcohol that maybe your family doesn't have. And I got to be careful for that because there's a generational sin. Satan works differently in my family. He's got a different game plan for my family and my life than he does for yours. Some of yours might be sexual abuse. Some of yours might be uh, drug abuse or drug addictions. Some of it could be physical and emotional abuse from a parent. You can break the sin cycle, and that's the best way to honor them. That's right. Because it establishes God in your life. So break that generational sin. 
my final thought on this, and I'm close with this, is just um, in my history as a pastor, I think you can land in one of three areas. The first area is, is I think that I have seen as people have walked out this honor strategy, I think people have come to one, re-engage with their parent that abused them. And that has come through them parent changing, make a 180 difference. Like they've changed everything. They, maybe they've met God. Maybe they've received Christ. They've done some, ch- ten, not just received Christ, but they've also started to live out Christ-like ways. Because how many of y'all have had heard that before where like somebody, well, he says he's a Christian, but then he's still, well, you got to, it's not just settling your salvation. You might be a Christian, but you got to start living like a fully devoted follower of Christ. There's a consistent, I talked about this a few weeks ago, a consistent work of sanctification and salvation in your life. And so the closer you get to God, the more you start to act like him. And so I think some parents, I've seen this where they've been, they've, they've been abusive to their kids and they've had to repent walk out they've restored there have been steps they've been walked out there's been professional counseling there's been spiritual counseling there's been all that and they've been able to reconcile and re-engage with their parents and that's a great win for i think god i think god's honored by that i think god desires reconciliation for people however there's a second place i've seen people come to and where their parent doesn't make a change doesn't make an adjustment they've had to establish stronger guidelines stronger boundaries boundaries are not ungodly boundaries are very godly and so just because they're your parent doesn't mean you give them unfettered access into your life. Whether they're, abu- just so you know, just so whether they're abusive or not. And so I think there's a, there's a sense where you have to learn to go like honors about me and me relating and relating my life and my characteristics to the most godly thing. And I think godliness, it sometimes is really establishing boundaries for people who don't, who refuse to change. And then the third one as a pastor, I've seen people walk through this honoring process. They're able to do those three things and walk through it as a pastor. Look, I've prayed about this a lot. I've had to walk through many people with this, okay? I've talked to many counselors. I've talked to, this is a tough issue. But the third one some people land in is they've had to really honestly disassociate completely because they, they have made a decision. The person who abused has made a decision to follow Satan and not God. And they want to continually abuse you and continue to walk in the ways that they were abused. And it is not, don't throw scripture at me and say it's godly for you to continue to have a relationship with them as they continually hurt you. That is a manipulation of scripture. And of the gospel of itself. It's an front to Christianity. And so I think relationships, I always say it like this, relationships are conditional. Love as a Christian is unconditional. You can love people as unconditionally as possible, but some people need to be loved from a distance. Some people need to be loved from a great distance. And the most honoring thing you can do for somebody sometimes, and I'm not saying, this is not, again, don't use manipulate my words, okay? Don't say, well, Pastor Aaron said I can do it. I'm just going to get, no, this is stuff. You know how you come to these three areas? Heavy counseling, heavy prayer, professionals, you know, that can walk you through your mind and your control, being healthy yourself, walking through biblical thoughts and strategies. It takes a while to figure out where you're going, okay? This is not like, well, I just think about it and I just felt this way, so that's all. You don't wake up one day landing here. This is a journey. But I will say this. Some people need to be disassociated completely. There are some people in this world who are out to hurt you. And God is not asking you to continually walk in relationship with them. Some people need to hear that right now. Like, And the church is, you know what? We've screwed it up. 
We. I'll take the hit for that. We've screwed it up because we've manipulated an unassociated godly characteristics to our life. And we've kind of wrapped a bunch of culture and a bunch of what we feel and lovey, feel good stuff. No, no, no. The best way to honor some people is to bring consequence to their actions. I'll teach you like this. My, my kids don't always see me honoring them when I discipline them. But the most honoring thing I can do with my kids is discipline them. Is to make sure that they recognize. Come on, right? Parents, the most honoring thing I can do for my children is to make sure they recognize there's a consequence to their actions. So that one day when they wake up and they're 25 and 35 and 45, they don't walk around acting like they can do whatever they want without any consequence. What did I do? I honored them. And so my prayer for you as a pastor, our prayer for you as, as just, just people who love you, is that you would get help professionally and that God would continually walk those three steps out and see how God restores you and maybe the person who abused you. That would be, I think, God's ultimate help and goal in life. Um, we love you and want the best for you. But most importantly, God wants the best for you. Amen.